0: The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the production, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Today's episode is a chance to hear directly from two longtime leaders in this industry. We'll be discussing the unique roles of the USHBC and NABC, where these two organizations are headed, and the importance of growing the industry's engagement and involvement in the work of both. But before we dive into things with our featured guest, it's time once again for a crop report. We've been having a lot of fun recording these every week there is always some important information shared and plenty of personality to go with it so here once again is your blueberry crop report
0: it's time now for your blueberry crop report an update on crop conditions and markets from those in the field today you'll hear from rex schultz in michigan pat Gowen in indiana doug kramer in oregon brian sakuma in washington jason smith in british columbia luis vegas in peru and Denny Doyle in New Jersey. This report was recorded on August 5th, 2020.
2: Uh, This is Brian Sakuma from Washington. (laughs) Eastern Washington, the arid and warm side of the state, As on the end of their season. They're finishing up probably the last of the Draper and moving into varieties like Aurora and Last Call. Last Call is probably not quite ready, but they're probably... Starting the Auroras right now. Volume started to drop off. They've gone from a high of probably a high of 100 to 105 last week down to the 90s this week. Uh, quality is still running fairly well for fresh market, and some of the earlier varieties are just being processed for the freezer. On the western side, uh, the, the cooler and wetter side of Washington, We're fairly slow. I think that if with the cooler weather right now, it's just the the fruit is hanging pretty well. Fruit quality has been good. There's been high trapping counts of SWD, so we're very concerned about that. Still a lot of the crop to go in Washington.
3: Morning, Jason Smith from British Columbia, Canada. A lot of what Brian said about uh, timing and, and what we're harvesting and stuff uh, is, is similar in, in British Columbia. Dukes are, you know, second pick for some areas, wrapped up in other areas. Draper is coming off for the fresh market. Blue crop first pick, a lot of it has come off. There is still some areas further west that are working on first pick or will start soon. Uh, well, as in more of the middle of the valley, we're, we're working towards our second pick in the next two or three days. Uh, second pick of Rika is off. Talked to a few guys in the eastern part of the valley that may start looking at harvesting uh, Elliot's in 10 to 14 days. Uh, I guess the biggest thing, our weather this year has been pretty challenging. Uh, we we have dried out a bit over the last couple weeks due to get some more wet weather tomorrow. Uh, numbers are way low. It's become more evident as we're, you know, moving on in, in the Duke harvest and getting ways into the blue crop harvest. Our our numbers are definitely down this year. A lot of that is gonna be due to the pollination weather that we had where it basically rained most of the time and the days it was sunny out, the temperatures were pretty cold. So mother nature's definitely has a significant impact on our our crop this year, for sure.
4: This is Doug Kramer from Oregon. Oregon this week is uh, in a little bit of a lull. We're uh, continuing to clean up some mid-season varieties. Legacy and Liberty kind of stretch between mid-season and the late-season stuff. But our typical (coughs) late-season varieties are ones that uh, are uh, Elliot's and Aurora, and we haven't got into those. Some guys think they're going to be nosing into them either late this week or early next week. So the fresh things kind of in the middle between there, and so everybody's trying to get it, take a deep breath, get their SWB sprays on, and get ready for the next push.
3: Hi, this is Pat Dillon from Indiana giving the Indiana report. Uh, Indiana is pretty much done to the season. It's been a, a challenging season, as I said before. Uh, July has proved to be one of the hottest July's on record. Uh, the last uh, few days, we've had rain, so uh, that's put a little pressure with the SWD. Growers are finishing up if, if they're north by, by the lake and up towards Michigan. Down in our region, uh, everyone is just about done. We're on second pick Elliott's. Hopefully, we'll have one more week yet to go. Uh, very little processed fruit coming in. Crack just wasn't there this year.
5: Hi, everyone. This is Rex from Rex Schultz from Michigan. Of course, we're just a little bit north of, <clears throat> excuse me, of Pat, and uh, we've had some nice temperatures finally come to us. As Pat said, we had some extreme heat actually in July in Michigan here. We never got below 80 degrees the entire month. A lot of extreme heat in the beginning part, first few weeks. Because of that, our uh, blue crops seemed to take a hit. We had good sizing on the first round, but the second round of blue crop, which we're just finishing up in the south part of Michigan. We have a sizing issue. They didn't seem to mature as much as we'd like them to see mature, and we think it was because of the heat, and uh, they're picking a second crop pretty heavily up uh, north of Holland. The Elliots we're just starting to get into them, and we're doing probably by the end of the week, pretty much everyone uh, in the Grand Junction, well, pretty much south of Holland. We'll be picking Elliott's and Holland. They're going to be into them next week. We just had some beautiful weather. It's been in the mid-70s uh, right now for a few days and cool overnight temperatures in the 50s and 60s. That's about it, I guess, right now. The crop and Elliott's look real good. Uh, people are talking about real good sizing, and uh, really a couple of good picks are coming down the pipe.
6: Uh, this is Denny Doyle from New Jersey.
0: Uh, New Jersey is is in its final, final lap. Everything from this point on, we'll, we'll go to the frozen market. We did experience yesterday uh, a tropical storm, high winds, 80 mile an hour plus, which really took off what little is left in this crop. But for all practical purposes, uh,
6: New Jersey is finished. This year was,
0: you know, uh, a challenging
6: one with uh, with the COVID, but we did get through that. And, you know, there are some pending issues coming towards our state. The uh, the, going along with Michigan, I hear Washington and a couple other states. So, you know, we're we're looking into those issues, but for all practical purposes, uh, New Jersey is
7: about done. Hello, this is Luis uh, from the Peruvian Blueberry Growers Association, talking about our export report into the U.S. Uh, up till week thirty. That is the week ending on the twenty-sixth of. July. Well, on on week 30, uh, Peru exported into the U.S. 1.3 million pounds, a similar amount uh, to uh, last year, uh, in which also in week 30, Peru exported 1.3 million pounds into the U.S. This amount is double the amount that was exported uh, the previous week, on week 29. Uh, This is the first week that we're seeing an, an important volume going into the U.S., uh, that should be arriving into the U.S. around mid, uh, mid-August. This volume is in line with our forecast for the whole season. So this season, we are uh, forecasting an increase of 25, 25% in the volume. So last season, Peru exported into the U.S. 140 million pounds. And this season, we are expecting an increase in 25% in that volume. Our picking week is week forty-two. Uh, that's the second part of October. That fruit should be arriving in, in, in the US market on the first part of November. And uh, well, that's that's the, the report up till week thirty from Peru. Well, thanks again
1: to our growers that provided this information each week. We record these crop reports on the same day the podcast is released. So if you've subscribed to this podcast, which we hope you are, you're getting very timely and very relevant information from all around North America. In today's episode, we get to speak to the leaders of our blueberry industry, Chris Barnhill, who is the chairman of the USHBC, and Ken Patterson, the chairman of NABC. Most of you already know who these guys are, but I'm going to ask both of them to share a little bit more about their backgrounds in the blueberry business. And Chris, you know, let's go ahead and start with you. As you think about your role at USHBC, I've had a chance to get to know you over the past year, and you've been the chair of the board for how long now? This is my fourth year. Fourth year. And you've been, you know, leading through some transition, certainly my position notwithstanding. And and so, you know, maybe you can just start off by giving us a little sense of how you got into the position and, and what motivated you as far as your background to become the chair of the board of USHBC.
8: Well, let's lead off by congratulating you on making it a year with us. We've um, sure enjoyed this year. I, I kind of tell everybody that uh, it's like trying to hook up Train cars to the train while it's running down the track, and you've done real well. So, congratulations to you. As far as on my side, we got involved by the 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 Bull brothers taking me to a meeting, and then I started going, and then they led me into becoming a member and an alternate to begin with, and a member, and I've learned a lot about the workings of this organization through being part of it, and I think we we're always trying to tell people that we need more participation and. The need of participation is not just so they can come hang out with us. It's the knowledge that they gain the relationships that they gain that they don't understand that little bit of time that we do give is a very important thing that that is is really growing and continue to stay ahead of the curve of all these bears that are going in the ground. It's, It's an essential part of it, and their knowledge of what's going on with it would help them tremendously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I certainly appreciate uh the acknowledgement of, of of uh my time here, but talk to me a little bit about what was it about this organization that you thought, you know, you wanted to be a part of uh, as far as that change you wanted to see either in the organization or the industry generally speaking, as the Moors encouraged you to get involved, what motivated you to take on the leadership challenge of becoming chair of the board?
8: Well, while I have been chair, I've come to understand better the workings of the two different organizations and how they complement but the work in different manners to achieve different goals. And so far, they've worked very well together because of the people that are involved. I think is the key key to it is the people and the diversity of people we do have, and we've got such a diverse amount of people. You know, we've got. Uh, growers, marketers, importers, exporters, people that are good in finance, people are good in promotions. I mean, we've got so many aspects there that people are good at that we're able to draw from that base and, and make it such a good organization. Uh, just being involved in it has been very interesting because I'm fourth-generation blueberry grower, so my great-grandfather was the first native North Carolina to have blueberries in North Carolina, so we go way back in it. But being on this side of it, there's a whole lot more to it than, than just going out and growing your blueberries. Once you've grown that blueberry, there's a whole lot goes on past that, and that's what this organization is keying in on, and it's really helping to focus where the focus needs to be to help our growing or exploding industry to be able to cope with the growth. And without this organization, I really believe that blueberries would be a bust right now that the industry itself would almost collapse because what's happened is is we've brought identity out there. we brought blueberries to the forefront of the country, to people's tables. People, about anything you see on TV now, has a blueberry in it. And had it not been for this organization, I don't think that would be there today. And it's taken money, uh, which is all growers put in, and that's why you know I don't understand why a lot of people don't want to be involved If my money's there, I want to know what my money's doing and uh, I want to be up there in the train. I want to be the conductor. I don't want to be in the caboose.
1: That's right. You know, you raise a good point about, you know, the, the needs the industry has gone through over time in terms of as the blue wave has grown, you know, the industry's needs have grown. And this might be where I kind of loop Ken in a little bit as the chair of the NABC, NABC, having been around, for a much longer period of time, NABC essentially having been the organization that helped birth the USHBC. Um, but Ken, you over there at the NABC side, uh, chair of the board, you know, representing kind of the older statesman approach of the two organizations, you know, talk to us a little bit about how you got involved with the industry specifically, you know, uh, the leadership role of, of the NABC.
6: Um, well, I, I've been in the blueberry business Uh, unlike Chris. um, I didn't, I wasn't born into it. I'm a first generation grower, but I've been doing it 36 years now. And um, I really didn't uh, get involved in the NABC until the USHBC was formed in 2000. And then in 2003, I ran for the Southeast representative and got appointed to that position. And at that point is when I moved into the NABC as a member also. And through those, this period of time, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of changes, a, a lot. Um, you know, back, back at, in those days, there was absolutely no foreign imported fruit coming in the United States whatsoever. And so we had different challenges and issues back then. Like Chris, I, I'm i always up for a challenge and I wanted to uh, give back to this industry what, what it's done for me.
1: Well, and Ken, as you looked at the leadership position, as you, I know when I first arrived here about a year ago now, a year ago today, you and I got talking early about, you know, some of the efforts and activities of the NABC that do distinguish itself from the role of the USHBC Talk a little bit about, you know, what was your motivation for, you know, not just being the chair of the board, but you were most recently the chair of the legislative committee.
6: That's right. And um, well, what I saw is um, as the NEBC has done a lot of things, it was locking, I think, in a, a true strategic plan. And we are the legislative voice for the industry. I mean, it's that's that's just the way it has to be. And so. I wanted to really focus on that and create something that would uh, be uh, more of a voice of the industry and uh, be out there in front and and be uh, be the lead advocate for, you know, the interest of the of the blueberry industry. That's why we reconstituted the legislative committee and um Created a couple of new task forces: uh, the Trade Advisory Task Force and the USDA Procurement Task Force, um, just to focus in on some of our issues and try to bring some resolution where we can.
1: Well, and you certainly lit a fire, uh, I think, for the organization on the NABC side, and and certainly landed squarely on my desk as a as a point of priority. But obviously, that's something we can't really dig into over at the USHBC side. And yet there's a a working relationship there between these two organizations that's really unique. And so kind of tossing this back to Chris, talk a little bit about your leadership, Chris. How, how has that worked in your mind as chair of the USHBC, you know, the relationship it has with the NABC?
8: It's working great uh, because it gives you a voice in two different areas because uh, we are, on the USHBC, being regulated by USDA, whereas the ABC has more freedom, like you were saying, on the legislative side to be able to go get those things done legislatively that we can't do on the USHBC side. But on the USHBC side, we're able to do promotions and research and other things that are, are essential. Uh, if we don't promote what we're growing what's to use and growing it we've got we got to promote it but at the same time any legislative things that are going on that can be advantageous to us or anything that's detrimental to our our industry can be addressed by that organization that we can't touch on on the USHBC side I really myself did not understand everything that uh, that went on the difference between the two organizations Organizations until I became involved and became chairman, I think I finally understand it. But I really spend more time promoting NABC than I do USHBC, and I think that goes back to a little bit to what you were just saying. USHBC is is a, a mandated. NABC is so key a part of what we do that we need that funding to be able to do what it needs to do. Uh, myself. I thought, well, I was covered. I was marketed with uh, MBG. I was covered by MBG. I'm a board member of North Carolina Blueberry Council. They were a member. Uh, Black River Blueberries is our shipping facility. I was a member there, and I'm like, well, I'm covered. But that's not what it's about. It's not about being covered in a membership to be able to go. It's about participation. I mean, if you want to look at it from a financial standpoint, the buyout programs that they've been so essential in the government buyouts that has bought millions of pounds of product that were stagnating some of our sales on our frozen side, and now it's been able to relieve some of the pressure there over years and years. Multiple buyouts, that type thing, and the other legislative things that they're watching and they're involved in that are so key to be able to promote. So they they just work hand in hand. But any grower needs to participate in NABC. If they've got three farms, they should have three participations. Look for every excuse you can to participate in NABC. There's just so many things going on It's exciting. When you get around it, it's just like, yeah, here we go, here we go. But on the NABC, we're like, we can do more if we get more participation. And I think that's why I hammer on everybody so much to join NABC.
1: Well, and, and I know – both Ken and I certainly appreciate your, your leadership on that, you know, knowing that you're the chair of USHBC, but you recognize the the nuances of the, of the different roles each organization plays. And, you know, to put a fine point on that, I know NABC is, you know, currently about 130 member organization, but, you know, if, if you could wave a wand, Ken uh, and, and want to see that membership number grow, you know, what, what in, and, I, and I would say, just knowing that we have about 12,000 uh, people, producing farms based on the 2017 USDA census. Uh, what, what would you like that membership number to look like, Ken?
6: Yeah, well, we should in the next year to be able to double or triple that number. And, and like Chris, I'm I'm the voice out there when I go to meetings and everything, it seems like I spend a lot of time trying to differentiate between the two organizations. And, um, I think you you put a really good definition on it when, when you identified the USHBC as the demand side and the NABC as a supply side of blueberries. And so we really need to get more active members involved in this organization because it's most of our issues. Coming forward are a lot of them are political issues, and and USHBC their hands are tied, and so it's all it's all up to us to uh, be the voice and uh, to take the leadership role in bringing this industry together to solve these problems that uh, we have now or that we're going to have in the future. So I would recommend everybody out there that's listening to this today to really. Um, think about participating by joining this organization and tell your neighbors about it too, because we need more participation. We need other leaders in this industry and we need a stronger voice than we've ever had with the issues that are going to be upon us in the future.
1: Well, and I think it's a lot about just the collaboration in order to, both communicate and understand what is the pleasure of the industry in order for a lot of the challenges that I know we face with the production you know prior to covid-19 we were facing a, a rather large supply with a flattening of demand now we're seeing a, obviously a spike in demand and a limiting of some of the supply but we know that this is a temporary circumstance and so you know I think that kind of parlays nicely over to the strategic refresh that uh, USHBC uh, has gone through. Maybe you can talk a little bit, Chris, about what we've gone through at USHBC to kind of restructure our focus and, and maybe a little bit about how that's changed since since the global pandemic hit.
8: Hmm. That's a lot of a question. I've always described the change that we are in is we do things just like my granddaddy did. We just do it better. And I think that's where we're, we have our industry is getting more refined. We're getting better cultivars. We're getting better equipment to do what we do. We're getting focused on those things. I remember when, uh, Ron he, he would, uh, push for this thing for the equipment to be the study to, to, you know, we've got to advance our equipment. We've got to get the separate committee going, the technology committee. And he pushed and pushed and got it. And he did some uh, an article about the growth of blueberries and the future of blueberries. And if y'all ever read that article that he wrote or story he wrote, it's, it's quite amazing how somewhat parallels with what we are. We've taken what we did and enjoyed doing, and we're refining that. You know, the way we handle the issues that we deal with because of the pandemic, we're worried about contaminating everything. In our industry, we were already concerned about contamination. We probably do more food audits in the blueberry industry than most any other industry around. And we've never had in the history 100 year blueberries plus, we've never had a food problem. There's never been a contaminant. I mean, a lot of industries have had them and it's been devastating to them, but that shows that we care. Uh, We've got a good, healthy product. We are already food safety. And we're advancing more in that direction to be even safer as we grow. And as Ken was talking about, the, the imports, what's coming in on us is is really a challenge uh, that my grandfather never had. He didn't have to worry about those things. He just got through his window as best he could, made what he could make, and tried to live on fat till the next year. I've heard my dad say many times, if I got through to the end of the season and had $100,000 in the bank, I consider we had a successful crop. Today, it takes millions of dollars to get these crops with the machinery and the the technologies we have to use to do what we do. So we are advancing, but the industry, because of these organizations, the unity in these organizations, uh, and all the good minds coming together, we're going to be successful. What Ken was saying, as far as the the membership, short-term, double NABC, long-term, we need to be 90% participation. And that's the way we're going to be successful by having all those voices and all those people participating and working together to advance what we're doing. And because it is changing, it's changing daily with the world. Cause we don't just sell down at the Piggly Wiggly anymore. We sell to the world.
1: Well, and I know for USHBC, Chris, uh, kind of coming at some of the the new things we're doing in the strategic refresh, one of the things that, you know, we budgeted for and in light of circumstances ended up spending it really early, you know, coming out of our spring meetings in light of the global pandemic and the shutdown is we started to lean into data. We started to produce a, a weekly report on a Nielsen report with some analysis on how the retail channel. Was performing, you know, once food service was basically shut off and, you know, all the blueberries were being focused through one channel, that being retail, grocery retail. We had set aside resources to kind of get into looking at how we could set up a, a data program for USHBC to help provide better intelligence to our industry. So maybe you could spend some time just sharing with us a little bit about why that's important going forward and how that changes from you know, your granddad's day of growing blueberries to what growers need to see now as they grow their business?
8: A friend of mine, Steve, he's always said that data is power, and and it is. And to get more of that information, and I think everybody involved, I've heard Ken speak of it, quite a few, and we're on some of the calls. Um how important that is and, and, and what we're gleaning from that, the knowledge that we're getting from that. And then we'd like to say, we can use that to help as another tool in the toolbox to out promote our, our product in the proper areas so that you've got your money spent in the areas that it needs to be. And you talk about my grandfather, he didn't worry about data. He just worried about having a little money at the bank at the end of the season. And, and, um, uh, my dad also—he well, my dad was a little more numbers guy than, than my grandfather was, but you know, there they, they was such a difference. And then the lot local guys—they uh, they look, they live, and look in their own world, which is right here in Blayton County in North Carolina. With this organization, or these both of these organizations, you're able to see, and you're able to be exposed to, and participate in worldwide knowledge, worldwide sales. So, if, like I say, if we didn't have these organizations, you wouldn't be able to participate in these bigger markets because you wouldn't have those connections. Um, just like Vietnam, you know, we just got opened up to Vietnam. You know, now we've got another place to sell some more blueberries. So that's that is key to what we're doing here. The knowledge and the data takes us into another whole category, another whole level to be able to promote our product even in a better way.
1: Absolutely. And I, and, and I think, you know, once we as an industry got focused on that, that retail channel, we started pulling Nielsen data, we started providing that Nielsen data back out to the growers and the handlers and the marketers so that they could see, you know, how the industry was performing with that information. It was just incredible for me to be hearing back just the value that that brought during this incredible time, this unprecedented moment that, you know, nobody really had good eyes on or history. No, there was, there wasn't any, uh, algorithm that could be brought forward that was going to tell us what the next day was going to bring, let alone the next week. Ken, NABC has been historically the caretaker of the crop report, and uh, you know the crop report has been something you know that we've been doing at NABC for a long, long time, and and the annual stat book that gets generated. But as you see the importance of data and, and both, you know, the, the crop report work that NABC does as part of the, uh, the, the curating of that information, um, what, what is it on the NABC side that you see in terms of the future of data for our industry and the importance of it that it plays? And, and, and what would you like to see going forward from NABC as a, a, a part of bringing intelligence to the industry?
6: Well, um, certainly the data is, just like Chris said, is is very important. And so I think there's a lot more that we can offer our members besides just the raw data of growing, you know, the blueberry volumes that come out of each state every year. And so uh, I think there's a lot of other educational opportunities to support, you know, business growth and and sound decision making for the growers to take advantage of. So, I see us being more involved in in data collection and and offering that to our members.
1: Well, and it, and I've said this before, but uh, I don't think I've said it on the podcast, but just in conversations with our crop report that you know it was the crop report that inspired this podcast. In fact, it was just hearing some of the things that you guys were saying on the weekly crop report that, you know, obviously our podcast is now leveraging as part of a segment that, you know, we produce each week that, you know, pulls those same folks back together again for a, a quick roundup of what's happening around the country. But, but you know, we're digging deeper in that, obviously, uh, on the NABC side and, and, and working with USHBC, we're looking at how to kind of revitalize that that crop report process so that, you know, we're bringing even more information. Uh, I know you've been helping us kind of look at those parts that we could tweak in that, that new report design, but, um, I would say more to come on that. Well, I think this, this all kind of ladders up to what we had to do in terms of a decision in light of, the global pandemic, and back in March, the NABC and the USHBC, the Joint Council, uh, had a lot of discussions about what was happening in our world and and how it was going to affect the two programs in the organization. And we're not going to be able to get together this fall in person. And I know that has you know not been a decision that that uh, either of you or or the rest of the leadership came to lightly. Um, but you know we've we've come up with a solution, which is this you know virtual conference and expo maybe you can share Chris a little bit about, you know, what, what led to that decision and, and, and why you're encouraged by, you know, the launch of this virtual platform for our meeting this fall.
8: Well, I I think when the idea first came out, I was kind of like, well, what's the problem? You know, this stuff's going to be gone by then. We won't have a problem. We can uh, get together. I don't see a problem, but as time goes on, it's it's like, we're not going to quit dealing with this problem. It's going to go on and on and, the The first part of the preliminaries of what I've seen of y'all done on the virtual side is right exciting uh, because I think I think we're going to find out that that we're going to get more overall global uh, participation because it is virtual and they're going to be able to get the knowledge, get the information, be participate in because in the past, you know, we've had had a, a microphone. Uh, sitting out in the middle of the table and people were able to call in, but be able to be virtual. I think we're going to find that it's going to be very exciting what, what we're able to offer people through that. Uh, of course, we don't, I don't think anybody's ever participated in our in-person meetings want to go away from that. I don't think none, nobody does, but I was like I say, in the future, maybe a combination of the two. So we have a real hardcore business, one that we do our virtual stuff in and then we get to do our interactions and take care of other things into other meetings. Like I said prior, I think what we're doing is a pain, is not being well accepted. But I think in the future, we'll be looking at it going, man, we should have done this a long time ago.
1: Well, I, I agree. I, you know, part of me being, you know, this, this being, you know, my first full year, you know, I, I would hope that you know, like what I've seen coming into the position, I mean, I'm in a unique seat as president, but I I have just been impressed. And I think like you're both describing, you know, once you get involved and you see, you know, what, uh, what's moving, what's happening, you know, the needles being moved and, and the effort that's being put forth, you can't help but appreciate that this uh, this resource is being spent in such a way that's making these differences in our industry. And, and that's my encouragement, you know, for anyone who's listening, that's thinking about coming or haven't yet registered is that this is an opportunity that, you know, from the comfort of your own home, uh, you'll be able to experience a lot of what, you know, both Ken and, and, and Chris are, are saying they've experienced in their leadership role. But certainly the hope here is that, you know, we can, uh, encourage participation and get more people involved because it is true that you know. Um, a number of us all working together can do more than any one of us alone, and and I think these two organizations certainly have proven that over the years. And to grow that in, you know, grow that influence, grow that membership base, grow that participation, uh, it's all to the good in light of of where we'd like the industry to go. In its evolution, you know, we we do need to continue to drive demand, and uh, and everybody working together towards that common goal is going to be something that you know can really help inspire the next wave for the business of blueberries. So. I'm looking forward to get together virtually with the both of you, and and I know we've got a lot of work between now and then where we're preparing for you know what people do here and see, but uh, I'm excited about it. I certainly uh, you know want to thank you guys both personally for you know the opportunity I have had in the last year to be a part of the team and be a part of the blueberry industry. Uh, it it really is an honor to having be able to build on top of the foundation that you all have built. And uh, it's just an exciting opportunity ahead for our industry. And I hope people will join us, you know, this September 28th through October 1st and and take a moment to just register. We'll put some links in the show notes today for people to uh, go ahead and, and take some time to, learn more about these two organizations. And, and obviously you can feel free to reach out to Chris or Ken or myself uh, at any time to ask any questions that you have about, uh, the work we're doing and the effort we have. Um, but we need to sell more blueberries and we need to increase that demand. And, you know, we know that we've got two organizations that are putting shoulder to the wheel on that. So I appreciate both of you, uh, for your leadership in these two organizations. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without the two of you. And, and I thank you both for that as well.
6: Yeah, well, likewise, we appreciate you too, Casey. Your leadership and expertise um, has been uh, very helpful. Thank you.
1: As you just heard, our fall meetings have gone virtual. We will be showcasing industry leaders and gathering up the most important people in innovation, marketing, genetics, health research, tech, and more. Plus, we'll be honoring USHBC's 20th anniversary and recognizing key industry leaders with a special celebration. So make sure you sign up to join us September 28th through October 1st. Registration is free. Just head over to BlueberryEvents.org and register today. Well, I can't say enough about the opportunity I've had to work with those two gentlemen who have, you know, certainly given a lot of their time in the leadership positions that they've served. But, you know, as we've gone through this discussion today, a few takeaways for me just listening to Chris and Ken describe their experience with these two industries is that, you know, they simply, the industry just wouldn't be where it is today without these two organizations, you know, working together, but also working independent of each other. As Ken said, we talked a little bit about one NABC working on the supply side and USHBC really working on the demand side. And and that may be a simplistic uh, approach. I often talk about, you know, how it's the left hand and the right hand working together for the same body, in this case, the blueberry industry, and they they are two different tools that really do make a huge difference and and have made a huge difference for this industry over time and and I'm excited to be a part of of where we're going to take both of them. You know, I also really appreciated what Chris said. If you're putting your resources to an organization like the USHBC, uh, it's an organization that you want to pay attention to. You want to you want to learn more about and I think we've set up a situation this fall where, you know, everybody can come. There's no need to book an airline ticket. You're not going to be staying in a hotel. We're going to put this event on and and these meetings together in a way that that you can attend. And so certainly I think you're hearing from all three of us, the encouragement to consider participating in our fall conference and expo. And we're looking forward to doing something we've never done before. And hopefully it's something that uh, encourages you to participate if you've been thinking about being a part of the industry organization's And I really do think that the spirit of collaboration that you heard from both uh, Ken and Chris is one that is moving forward in order to help encourage innovation. You know, recognizing that we are seeing more fruit than ever into our market, both domestically grown and and imported. We're going to need to continue to evolve as an industry and find those innovations that are going to help us continue to drive that consumption. All of this is to the good. Uh, I really do appreciate the time we had with both Chris and Ken today, and I hope you did, too. If you're finding value in these podcast episodes, please share them with friends and colleagues and and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries.